Welcome to our podcast, All About the Car, brought to you by Shrill Tire and Service. I'm your host, Rob Hoffman, an auto service specialist with over 46 years of industry experience. On the ride with me today, our regular guest, Brian Call, a 42-year veteran of the automotive industry. Hello, Brian. Hey, Rob. Great to be with you. And Bill Sherrill, a guy that's logged a lot of Wisconsin miles and always comes to the mic with great questions. Welcome back, Bill. Thanks, Rob. Wonderful to be here. Today, we have a special guest on the drive, Zach Surway, Director of Business Operations for the Wausau Cyclones Hockey. That's kind of a big deal, Zach. Zach is offered to host our episode today right here at the Marathon Park Ice Arena. Thanks for having us, Zach. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Today, we're going to learn more about the Central Wisconsin's hockey team, the Wausau Cyclones. You know, the modern game of hockey actually came out in England in the mid-18th century, which largely contributed to the growth of their public schools. So there's some information I didn't know. With the Olympics first accepting competitive hockey into the games in 1908, the sport was surely here to stay. By 1964, there were 50 countries affiliated with the Federation International Hockey, including Africa, Pan America, and Asia. Today, the IHF consists of five continental associations and 137 national associations and still growing. In my further research, I also found that the Cyclones have a history of their own. So, but that history in England starting out, do you think that this was connected to like curling? That's the only thing because that's very Scottish. Yeah, I you don't know. You didn't read I, anything more about that? I did not, okay. but it just sounds like a really deep history and a lot of twists and turns back then. Wow. Amazing. So, Zach, when was the first season for the Cyclones? Yeah, so the first season for the Cyclones, I guess I'll start way back when. So back in 1972 was the original Wausau Cyclones. At that time, it was an adult senior league team, so everything post-college. At that time, that ran all the way up until the early 2000s and ended up going away with just a number of different reasons. Obviously, cost was one of them sure. with the sport of hockey. And then back in 2017, junior hockey returned to Wausau as the Wausau River Rolls came about. It was purchased previously down in Chicago. It was moved up here by a pair of owners from the Minneapolis area. And then that team, unfortunately, the owner's wife ended up passing away and they sold the team to a local ownership group. And part of that local ownership group actually includes the son of one of the former Cyclones owners. And that's how we got back to being the Cyclones back in 2021. So really, recently, 21 is yep. the Cyclones' rediscovery. Yep. Wow. So it's wow. pretty recent, and definitely the thing that's been cool to see over the last couple of years is those people that have those memories back in the 80s and 90s have been kind of reinvigorated to nice. have the Cyclones back, and we've it's been a cool ride to be along, along with it. There are no players from the 80s that are still on the team today, are there? <laughs> Since there, are, there are, but we do an alumni night every single season. It's cool to see the old-timers come back and reminisce about the good old days at Marathon Park. That sounds like a great gathering. You also mentioned Chicago. Was that part of the start of the rebirth, I guess? That's unique. Yeah, just purchased the franchise that was from Chicago and had moved them up here to Wausau. So essentially at that time, the owners, they were looking to get into the junior hockey business. They had been in it over in the Twin Cities area and got experience. And they wanted to, as you guys know, here in central Wisconsin, it's a pretty special community. And we've seen that over the course of the number of years, how well we've been supported, whether it's on the fan side or the on the corporate side as well. We feel lucky to be in this community, be really well supported at our level at the junior hockey side of things. So how does the organization attract players? How do you make this team? How do you get it together? 
So really, it comes down to a lot of time on the road, really, at the end of the day, is going out and hitting the pavement, going to different combines all across the upper Midwest and across the country to essentially sell what your program is all about. I look at it, it really goes down to almost kind of like college coaches selling their college program at the football level or any other other sport as well, the different benefits that you have to your program. And a big part of it is your history of how you've advanced players up to the next level moving up to college hockey and how those players have done under your development is a really big deal. And certainly the network that the coaches have to help move that along helps as well. So these players are post high school, but necessarily have not entered college hockey, wanting to go to college hockey or wanting to go to a junior I don't know the next level of hockey. Yeah. So towards the major NFA. <laughs> yeah. Basically the levels of hockey, youth hockey, then on high school hockey, we're up in junior hockey. And then their next step, their goal is to get, whether it's a D3 scholarship, maybe at UW-Stevens Point or other Midwest colleges, or they're going to play ACHA hockey, which is a lot of Division One colleges have those programs. It's more considered like a club sport. But at the end of the day, their goal in junior hockey is to advance that college level. And then if they're good enough at that point, then to go into the pros after that. Would you say that most of the Cyclone players today, their aspirations are to take that next step? Definitely. I mean, that's really at the end of the day why they're here and why they work so hard and the commitment to it. Hockey is definitely, people on the outside don't necessarily realize, but hockey is really a year-round sport nowadays. Essentially, if you're not working in the summertime, you're falling behind on your development. And our guys, it's a year-round gig where they're working to develop their skills and continue to compete against all the other people in their age division. Wow, year-round. So there's obviously not ice year-round unless you're inside the arena. But <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So there's a lot of different opportunities for working out year-round for sure. So geographically, what is the breakout of many of the players? Are they from Wisconsin? You had mentioned that you know you hit the road and you go all over the nation. Yeah, so for example, on this year's team, we got players from Florida, upper Midwest. In the past, we have players from California, all the way over to the East Coast, to the West Coast. So it's really all over. I think as a whole, hockey has really grown from being, I mean, it certainly still is a niche sport, but you're seeing a lot more growth in the warm weather cities, whether it's the success of the Las Vegas Golden Knights to the teams in the NHL in California and to seeing college hockey grow, whether it's Arizona State growing. We're continuing to see the NHL reach into those warmer markets versus just traditionally in the upper Midwest or the East Coast. Wow. I did not. So how many other junior league programs are there nationwide? So there are a number of different programs in junior hockey itself under USA Hockey. There's the USHL, where most of those players are going into the Division One level, and there's the NAHL, uh, which is our sister league, uh, where we try to advance players up to. Most of those players are going D1 or D3, and then us in Tier 3, NA3HL, most of our players that they're looking at their top end going to Division 3, Division 3 level at most. So it definitely continued to grow. I know over the course of the number of years, junior hockey continues to expand. There's been expansion on the West Coast, even more. Some of the success, a lot of times you see it from the NHL programs like the Colorado Avalanche. Colorado has been a 
huge growth market in the sport of hockey as well. So it's been cool to see even in the last 10 years how much hockey has grown and people are definitely picking it up and realizing it's a fun sport to play and a good time to have. It's one of those things that growing up around central Wisconsin, there's just a lot of hockey. So you just always make the assumption that same way everywhere. And it's it's not to that point. It sounds like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I grew up personally in the southern part of the state where the only hockey that I knew of is we had one kid that worked out at our high school facility and played hockey at Fond du Lac. Other than that, it's not really on the radar in the southern part of the state, but it's continued to grow in areas like Madison down in suburbs of Milwaukee as well. It's been really cool to see and one of the reasons why I was so passionate about initially coming up to central Wisconsin is to see the level of support at how passionate people are about hockey in this area. It's not as crazy as over in Minnesota, but it's definitely continued to grow. And on the high school level and the youth levels, we've seen a number of participation increase drastically over the number of recent years here. So So how does the team that's in Wisconsin Rapids tie into all of this? The River... The River Kings. River Kings. Yeah, so they're another junior program. They're not affiliated with USA Hockey, but it's on the same level as us. So very, very similar in in how they're looking to recruit and to get players. It is a competitor league, just not affiliated with USA Hockey. So, but very, very similar to what we do up here. My takeaway so far in this is there must be a huge commitment level from your players. You say you have a player from Florida and from California. I mean, your attraction for it must be really good to be able to pull people from around the United States to Wausau, Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, I think going back to it, it really speaks on, I think, just looking back, the central Wisconsin community. People want to be in this area and they understand that upper Midwest, the level of hockey is really good. So that's for one is a big draw, but part of that goes back to our ownership and their level of commitment to advancing players. It's, as you guys know, your business about about the little details and that can really make the difference from separating yourself from your competitors and trying to get talented hockey players. So, So how long is a player usually with the Cyclones? Our goal at the end of the day is hopefully to have them here as less more, I would say, because yeah. we want to advance them. If they're here less, that means that we're doing a good time. Frankly, if they're here for three years, that's probably not a great sign because they're not developing and going on further. So I would say the average is about one and a half years that they're here over that time frame. So then from that regard, what is the day in the life of a cyclone? I would say the day in the life is hopping on the ice around 9 a.m. to about 11, quick going over to work out with our partnerships at the YMCA or CTI down in Mosinee, spending a couple hours there and getting some off-ice workouts in, and then sometimes they'll have a part-time job in that case, potentially saving for college, those type of things, and then getting all back at the next day. But then on the weekends, making those long road trips, whether it's to St. Louis or Peoria, traveling a Thursday and Friday, and then uh, back at it, getting home late at night on a Sunday morning or into early Sunday morning at 4 a.m., and then doing it all over again the next week and getting back at it. It's a pretty grueling stretch as they play from mid-September all the way through the middle of March. So it's a long season and 47 total games. So they definitely get a lot of time on the ice over the course of the year. So then in the off season, do a lot of them stay here in the Wausau area? Most of them go home and at their home base and work out. And certainly you could almost look at it as they're all free agents in the next season, depending on where they're going to go and trying to build your team. On average, you're having about a 30-year roster will return and then some will advance and some others will age out and going up to into that college level, moving up. Wow. 
fascinating. It is. Like really, Absolutely. Right? I failed to mention in the beginning of our podcast that we are actually on site at the Marathon Park Ice Arena. So as we walked in to meet with you, Zach, we were able to walk by the windows and see that real ice hockey practice going on, which is pretty exciting. A lot of movement pretty fast out there. It's kind of neat. Let's talk about the coaches. You have all the players and everything's in place there, but it really takes a strong coaching team, which I believe last year, a new head coach was named. I believe Nathan Ostrick. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. So he's actually a former NHL player, played for a number of teams. So it's certainly on the recruiting side, that's always a plus where you can they can go talk to kids and he's made it to the highest level in professional hockey. Our previous head coach, Colin Bailey, he was promoted up to a college program at St. Celestica up in Duluth at a D3 program. So it's not only about advancement of players, but also advancement of coaches at this level. So we're really great and lucky to have him. Like I said, having a former NHL player, knowing the ins and outs from uh, Canada, obviously they know yeah. hockey really well. So it's been cool to have him here over the last two seasons and we continue to see his success in building this program. Is this his first coaching position? He previously coached up in Humboldt. You may have heard of that unfortunate accident on the bus crash up there that unfortunately killed about 16 kids. So he was actually went up there his first Junior coaching experience was up there prior to coming over to us. So, yeah, it's had experience in the junior hockey, and we were lucky to have him become available when we needed to fill a coaching position. So, Nathan, as the head coach, I got to believe there's others on Mm -hmm. the coaching team as well. How many does that involve? So, there's two other coaches, Luke Meyer, who's an assistant coach for us, and then we have a goaltending slash assistant coach, Taylor Carey, as well. So, focus more on the defensive side of getting in those goalies and goalies definitely are interesting breed and helping to really on the mental side of things coach them up and get them prepared for what they're going to face over the course of the it's got to be a magic potion i mean it's something we don't want to get into because yeah. i know they have their coaching strategy but it's just got to be something else to get these players mentally prepared for the season just can't imagine mentally and physically i can't even comprehend being a goalie i can't either puck coming at you and how fast is that puck moving? Upwards of 100 miles an hour up to you. And, you know, obviously you got <laughs> a short range of what you got. And sometimes you have defenders in front of you as well or shielding line of sight to try to stop that puck. So it's definitely goalies. I give them credit in terms of sports overall. Obviously in the NFL and the quarterback is a very difficult position, but goalie is right up there in terms of your hand-eye coordination and your movements have to be so quick and precise. Make it a kick save. Those type of things are pretty incredible to see a good goalie on the ice. And their equipment that they wear and that they work in is completely different than any other position. It's got to weigh a ton. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And they have to be in really good physical condition. People think, oh, the goalies aren't skating too much, but they're doing a lot of movement in that small area over the course of the game. So they have to be in really good condition to take 40, 50 shots at their pads and at their head. uh, (laughs) I can't imagine. And then do it all over again the next night. So it's an interesting level in terms of the sport. You think about a fastball at 95 miles an hour, that pitcher's 90 feet away. They're 20 feet away mm-hmm. at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Park. And it's and not a soft little ball either. Yeah. It's a hard puck. 
<laughs> How do they even see it coming at them? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And like I said, I think it's one of the more difficult positions to play in sport. And they definitely have to be mentally tough, too. I think that's the biggest part of it is after facing so many shots and maybe making a mistake, but just worrying about the next save to keep your head Sharp up memory. and keep moving forward. Zach, do you play or have you played? I never played hockey. More of my background on the business side of sports. Got in, I started in baseball and then got into hockey. So that's how, how I got here. All right. You're in at the one at two. Let's talk a little bit more about the Cyclones' home, which is the Marathon Park Ice Arena. How has this been working for the Cyclones organization? It's been good. It's definitely a perfect size for what we're looking to attract. I mean, certainly everyone would like a brand new facility. Hopefully that's maybe potentially down the road here in a couple of years. But right now where we're at, it's definitely a good facility for us in terms of what we're looking to do and to attract fans. And a number of different upgrades have been placed over the number of years here to increase the uh, fan atmosphere, whether it's a new sound system new glass and boards and things like that. It's been cool to see that growth as we've grown as an organization too. And do you rent the space from the county? Yep, we're a tenant of the facility here. How many spectators can you pack in here? We could pack up just a shy of a thousand spectators oh my in wow. standing room only. So Got to believe that brings a little energy. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, seeing everyone excited and breakaway goal, uh, there's nothing else like it. And we've had Speaking on the ice, they've been pretty successful here early on to kick off the year, so it's been fun to watch. Well, as with every All About the Car podcast, we always break away halfway through and visit an interesting Wisconsin destination. We call this the Road Trip Wisconsin. Being that we're in central Wisconsin and Wausau currently, we're going to head over to Sylvan Hill Park, which I think everybody knows that for tubing. Winter tubing. Winter tubing. Not water yeah. tubing. <laughs> so we're talking ice, just like we're talking with the Cyclones here today. But personally, I have not been there. I know it's a popular place for uh, mountain biking in the summer, and I fail to say I have not been there for that either. But, Brian, I know you've been there years ago. Yeah, it was quite a few years ago. It was on a Sunday morning. We took a bunch of Boy Scouts and the parents over there. They rented the facility to us, so we actually had lunch all prepared and in the warming house and we all played up on the hill and it was a blast and they have sledding too we were all on tubes you were all on tubes okay i know they make the snow there i believe they have snow making equipment is what i learned and tow ropes so you're not talking about walking up to the hill (laughs) the top of the hill with your tube and coming down you're taking a tow rope ride yep and as fast as you can go up you can go right back down wow and cross-country skiing also available at sylvan hill park zach have you ever been there I have. It was outstanding. First time I was there, I didn't know what to expect, but the runs are super, super fast. We had really good conditions that day. And nice. It's cool to see all the kids tie their ropes together and get a little extra speed going down the hill. And it's definitely a fun experience that I had over there. I guess there's an east and a west hill, and that west hill has a vertical drop of 133 feet. That's quite so steep. You talk about speed, that's where you're getting it from. <laughs> and their season is from December 10th to March 5th. So you got a lot of time to get up to Sylvan Hill Park and enjoy what the Wausau area has to offer. Have to put it on the calendar for this winter. Definitely have to get there. So back at Wausau Cyclones headquarters, let's talk a little bit about the players of the Cyclones, the commitment of practice. So you had mentioned earlier what a day in the life or maybe even a week in the life for these players looks like. And it sounds like it's eat and breathe hockey. So, I mean, they're here pretty much all the time. Got to believe that there's some nightlife involved, but they got to get up the next day and they got to be here or wherever. That's quite a commitment. 
It is really one of the things that our coaching staff sells them in terms of being a part of the Cyclones organization is it's a commitment not only to themselves, but to the organization and to really to the central Wisconsin. I mean, we want to put on a really good product and to do that, it takes a certain level of commitment and to be successful, it's about putting in that extra effort. And we definitely feel this year that we have a really good commitment from those players to, to hopefully advance deep in the playoffs here and see what can happen. So how is housing managed or provided or... How is it done for them? Because obviously you had mentioned they're traveling from outside of the area. Yeah. So we have a built coordinator or host family coordinator who coordinates all those families here in the area. So a lot of times it's a lot of different, could be in a scenario, it could be like an empty nester where their kid went off to college and they have a spare bedroom that they are willing to host. Or in some cases, it's maybe they had a hockey player and they maybe went off somewhere to play junior hockey and they almost want to like repay it back in a way for having a good experience for their kid when he was off somewhere. The other item there is too is just a lot of youth hockey families they'll have a couple of younger kids that are looking for someone to be a good mentor to their young boys or young girls and that's a great way to do that as well and a lot of times they build lifelong relationships not only when the players no longer with the cyclones they're going off to the college that they're playing at or going to their wedding when they get married those type it's of things like another so, son yep exactly yeah, wow. it's pretty cool to see that relationship develop and really at the end of the day they create lifelong bonds with those players for that time that they're here in wausau and for a lot of times it's these kids first time away from home so they're definitely trying to find their way a bit and learn some things on their own and it's a good way for them to be guided by these host families and Having a good host family coordinator and a good host family program overall, it's certainly, you see the benefits to it on the ice when those players are comfortable, a good home to stay at. So is there a stipend to the host family or, you know, I think of food? Yeah, <laughs> right, these right. kids are going to eat. Exactly. 20-year-old, <laughs> better young <Yeah>. man, <laughs> burning energy all day. Yeah, so there's a stipend that goes to those families to fuel them up, if you will, with food over the course of the year. A lot of carbs, that's for sure, over the course of the wintertime. Is that part of the regimen in any type of nutritional direction and monitoring of diet? Yeah, that's something that team works at and is scheduling, whether it's with workouts or how they're going to eat, things like that. I mean, it's definitely an important part of it, of them taking it to the next level. And you see, as we just spoke on commitment, that's definitely part of it. The kids that are committed to personal health as well, that's a big part of it at this high competitive level. It goes level. hand in hand, doesn't yep. it? Yeah. So if there's a host family listening to this or somebody who wants to be a host family, they just call the Cyclones office, I assume. Yep. They can just go on our website, wassacyclones.com and go under the Get Involved tab. And, uh, exactly there's actually a program for it. Yep. There's a link right there. So nice. if you want to head out and apply, you can, can certainly do that. We'll look at that application and potentially uh, get you suited up with a player uh, in the next season. And it's primarily just the Wausau market. I mean, how far away could somebody host yeah, it's generally in the Wausau market. Normally, it's about 25 miles is our max of that we're going to go out to, just so it's certainly easier for the player going back and forth to the rink. And as we know, in the wintertime, it can be a little dicey in the road, so try to keep them closer. There's those Florida kids coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about game day. And I got to believe there's some energy that's happening right here at the arena on game day. And you had mentioned, as we sit here today, you had mentioned that you had some upcoming matches that were going to be just pretty crucial, going to be pretty high energy. Let's talk a little bit about what it feels like to be a part of game day here. You said about a thousand people. You could pack this place with a thousand people watching, spectators. 
I'm sure there's some loudness going on with that. You got a lot of loud people in the stands. Is that the case? We get really tremendous support here from the local community. Part of that too is it's not only the product on the ice, but some of the things we're doing around the game as well. We do a number of different giveaways over the course of the, the season, whether it's bobbleheads, teacher giveaways, beanie hat giveaways. We've had a lot of success in working with different businesses in the community to tie their brand to our brand. That's something fun and exciting. I think in a lot of cases, that's something that some businesses can't necessarily do. I mean, so you can get TV ad or radio ad, but to be tying your brand to something that's fun and exciting, I think is really crucial. And at the end of the day, that's why I got into sports marketing is because it's something that's exciting, a little bit different. And we have a lot of success in doing that and creating a fun atmosphere that people can kind of forget about their regular nine to five, Monday through Friday, and let their hair down a little bit on a Friday and Saturday night and enjoy some Cyclones hockey. So I got to believe there's a lot of emotions evolved, not only from the players, but also from the spectators. How does that stay under control or is it just a free-for-all? <laughs> we definitely have security in place to prevent any issues that could arise. Normally our fans, a lot of times it's pretty clean fun and just a little bit of razzing and stuff like sure. that. So it's we try to keep as best as possible a pretty good family atmosphere at our games. And I mean, certainly there are moments where you got to tease a little player when he's maybe mouthing off or, or something like that or gets ejected. That's just kind of hockey, so isn't it? That's Overall? Part of hockey a little bit too. Yeah. So. What would you say would be the most anticipated game of the season? And is that something that's coming up as we sit here today? Or is it the same opponent or game every year? I would say there's maybe about five to eight different games throughout the course of the year that people really have to mark on their calendars. One is an obvious one every single year. It's the home opener. That Always that excitement of a new season, what that team looks like and how they're going to come together. So we're certainly past that at this point. And then some of the other promotions that, that people have had a lot of fun with is certainly some of our giveaways, the bobblehead giveaways that we do, the different corgi and winter dog races. Oh, Fanta that Fanta catches Fanta my Fanta attention. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of different things that we do to create excitement, again, that draws a fan that's maybe a little bit different, that's not necessarily a hockey fan, that's expanding our market of who we want to, to get to the facility. So let's focus a little bit more on what you just said, wiener dog races and corgi races. I've never seen this happen, but I think I can picture it. Yeah. How far do they have to race <laughs> on the ice? And this is on the ice, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, this is on the ice. So the one thing that people don't necessarily understand is during the intermission, the ice is actually, after the players have skated a whole period, it really is almost like just walking on snow. So it's not as slippery. So the dogs aren't going to get injured or anything like that. So it's a pretty safe service at, at that point. But the dogs, they race from, they start at the goal line and then they race to center ice. So it's about 90 feet that they race in total. And it's definitely all about, and they're going every which way you can imagine. I was going to uh, say, so how does this actually, it's the first dog to just cross that line. Yeah. How do you direct them from one end yeah, to the other? Exactly. Yeah, so what they do is they required on the start and the finish, they have to have an adult on each end, and a lot of times they entice them with some type of treat. favorite toy or treat to get them to run over to them. But sometimes with the crowd energy, as you can imagine, and just people going crazy to see these dogs race, they kind of <laughs> get a little distracted. We even had one corgi last year, he ended up taking himself into the penalty box oh. <laughs> and just hopped right out. So he wasn't having it and he wanted to go up there. So that's hilarious. So I'm trying to picture this at the start. So how many corgis are lined up at the start? So there's a total of 30 corgis lined up. Oh my up. gosh. We get the old 
trumpet racing or sound going to get them off and running oh, and funny. then uh go corgis go and they're shaking their little butts and wagging their tails <laughs> all the way down to center ice so i assume one of their owners is holding at the one line and the other one is enticing them to cross the line at the other <laughs> yep a lot of times it's the owner at the start they're really struggling just to hold on because right. the dog is so excited with all the people and all the energy and well, the also 30 uh, 29 other dogs yep, around them like absolutely that's amazing. You itself. envision the corgis and their wiggly little way that they do things. And then you think about wiener dogs. Now, yeah. that's a whole different thing, I would assume. Yeah, that one, at least from doing the corgi races the first time last year, I actually think the corgis are a little bit more skilled and agile, a little bit quicker. The wiener dogs, they seem to be just a little bit more scattered brain. Oh, the sure. Corgis, so they're all over the place. They're all over the place. <laughs> and the corgis are a little bit more focused on the goal of winning the race. Be interesting to see. It really would yeah, be. That'd be Going to have to make it a point. Yeah. And for our listeners, the Corgi races are January 20th of this year, and the Wiener Dog race is February 2nd. So this is the time to get involved with Cyclones Hockey, everybody, because you got to come just to see the dog races and nothing else, and you're going to fall in love with the Cyclones. So, Zach, are there any community outreach programs, let's say initiatives or fundraisers that the team gets involved in? How tied in with the community are Cyclones? Yeah, so our players, they volunteer at a number of different uh, events, whether it's hanging lights down at the 400 block here downtown, or a lot of it's working with the local youth hockey communities and volunteering their time to get them kids really excited about hockey and hopefully develop further on. The other part that I'm actually most proud of of what we do as an organization is we have a community partner program where we help a number of different nonprofits here in the community where they can simply benefit from our Chuck-a-Puck program at each of our home games and also do a 50-50 raffle to help raise awareness for their organization. And there's a number of different initiatives that we do from Pink the Rink to Military Appreciation to help raise awareness for different causes throughout the community. You're a busy guy, aren't you, Zach? I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm getting from all of hats. <laughs> so you had, when you had said volunteering time, is there stipends to the players themselves? Nope. So that's all a goodwill for doing that, for the players to volunteer their time. That's part of it when our coaches meet with them in recruiting that we talk to them about in terms of what our organization is all about in terms of being uh, involved in our community. We want to help people in our community that we're a part of. And we strictly, we want to be a business without community support. So it means a lot to us and it's a small way for us to give back and thank people for supporting us over the course of the season. Do they have any monetary gain for playing during the year? Not at this time, no. On the junior level, I mean, certainly that could be something that's changes you see now with NIL at the college level, but currently structured, it's not something that is available to those players. So who provides the equipment? Is it all their own personal equipment or is there Cyclone? Yeah, so Good question. we provide pretty much all of the equipment. The only exception would be like their own personal skates, but everything from pads and all that stuff, we're supplying that to the players. Zach, I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you if you could give a message to Wausau and the surrounding communities, what would that be? My message would really just be to get out this winter and enjoy Cyclones hockey. As you guys know, it certainly can be sometimes a long winter. And I think one of our main goals over the course of that long winter is to get people engaged, do different fun events like we've talked about that people at the end of the day puts a smile on their face and has them something to look forward to. I think that's a big part of it. And to really be part of something that's bigger than yourself over the course of the winter. So 
we're happy to be in this community and we've been really well supported. And part of that is going about our mission to entertain people really at the end of the day. Zach, I can really feel the momentum of the Wausau Cyclones here as we talk to you today. And thank you very much for hosting this episode of All About the Car. And we wish the best ever season for the Wausau Cyclones hockey team. Thank you. Go Clones. We hope to have you right along next time on All About the Car. To listen to previous episodes, find additional resources, or to simply send us a message, head to allaboutthecarpodcast.com. We'll see you next time.